Welcome back to the Fuck the Stigma podcast, Brittany. Yay, Fuck the Stigma. I did an interview with you about almost, we're coming up on a year from almost on that interview, and I wanted to do an update with you. Crazy, almost a year. Yeah. Right? (laughs) How much time do you have sober? You're coming up on a year now? Coming up on a year. We'll have a year uh, January 9th. Cool. So I had interviewed you on your experience with like prostitution. You were at the time kind of struggling with even... I think you called them my cravings. Yeah, at the beginning, when you interviewed me last, I think I was like, I felt like I was fresh. Like I was still so traumatized and like, I don't know. I I feel like I had the the hunger for the life that I have today. And um, I was just still working through a lot of issues, working through a lot of trauma and stuff. So Yeah, and I think that was also a little bit of my fault with, I think, interviewing you kind of early i think it was a good perspective though let's not get that wrong it was a good perspective to see me fresh like that yeah raw and so i think it'd be yeah it'd be, definitely be a good comparison right. even if you watch ever decide to watch the video back you can see where you were and maybe right. watch this one and see where you are yeah where you are now you also got your i wanted to talk about this really quick you got your pimp you were branded by pimps and you got those covered up recently yeah so we did a um tattoo cover-up and branding cover-up with caps um, in Las Vegas, what was the name of the shop? I don't Revolt the Tattoos. Shop. Revolt Tattoo, Revolt Tattoo. Yes, and um, thank you to All Things Possible Ministries and Samantha Rivas and her beautiful family for flying us out. Yeah. And we got these tattoos covered. Yeah, and you awesome. got the line on your yeah, chest. Yeah, I got the line on my chest, which is like the line of Judah. And then um, this is like my angel with the gas mask. So yeah, we had awesome. We had a good time. You got yours done too, right? Yeah. So I had Great a time. like demon, and then now it's a gauntlet. It with was a, sword. a demon. No, it longer. was a demon throwing <laughs> up blood and crying blood, and now it's um gauntlets with a sword. Yeah, kind of like Re- your protector. Yeah, represents responsibility of power. <sighs> you just, know, <laughs> a little bit of responsibility and power, right? <laughs> Literally. Yeah, but it was such a blessing to get these um, names covered up and to kind of start a new chapter in my yeah. life. And so, yeah, I'm so thankful to All Things Possible and everyone who helped in that. Of course. Yeah, it was emotional. A, it was emotional. And we had a great time like sitting in the chair for nine hours and then sit like just with this needle dragging in your skin and then thinking <laughs> about like everything that <laughs> happened up to that point, like how these names got on you and the, the journey that you went through through this and then to look at your hand and your yeah. you know place and look and see that it's no longer there it's awesome it's powerful yeah. and yeah with me when i was sitting in that chair every like single trauma was running through my head for some Definitely. reason it's like <laughs> why now and i was crying like he was tattooing me and i was just like crying yeah it's like i thought i was healed from some things but i think in that moment like maybe hour seven of the needle dragging across my skin i was like ah. yeah but it was good it was a healing it was like a release it was definitely something that yeah for something sure. that needed to be done and i'm couldn't have done it in better company oh you know yeah, yeah. That's awesome. so to touch on um for those that maybe didn't watch your interview um i kind of just want like a brief summary of like what your history was with prostitution right. and what you did in your past right so um kind of like what we talked about in the last video um i had been a escort prostitute involved in trafficking um drug addict junkie whatever you want to call it for most of my adult life and you know i came to treatment and wanted a better life for myself i couldn't see that what that better life was gonna in um, you know entail for myself yet but i knew i wanted something better you know i knew i didn't want to have my daughters looking up to me as that prostitute or whatever 
um, <clears throat> the case may be. So, yeah, I came in broken, destroyed, struggling, and they're stressed getting, out. <laughs> they're getting built back up. Like, yeah, now I'm I'm definitely being built back up into a strong, virtuous woman who can stand on what she believes in and, you know, be an example for my kids and for other women who are struggling going through the same things. Yeah. yeah. How long were you in the that lifestyle for? So started when I was 18. So um, about almost 20 years. And that's another thing is that like 20 years of being in that lifestyle and having those behaviors, you know what I mean? Right. It's well, not so just... the trauma started when I was younger than that. Of course, that's of what course, that's yeah. where the original, you know, prostitution and things came in was so being, you know, 13, 14 molested by a family member and still manipulating and using those those tactic tactics and learning survival, basically survival and um then, you know, separating from my child's father not knowing how to take care of myself. I relied on using my body or selling my body for for money or whatever, you know, and um it seemed like it was so normal at the time because no one told me stop. No one said, Brittany, don't let's not do that. Or like, you know, and until I've learned the value of myself and how much I respect myself and love myself. So what was the way you viewed it previously? So like before previously I believe I, I believed this was a agreement with myself. I believed that, you know, my body was never mine since I was young. Like it had been stolen from me before. So like I was abused since I was a child. So I'm going to sell it. You know, mm. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to take care of my children. I'm going to take care of whatever it is I wanted to, my drug habit at the time, whatever it was. And so I didn't see it as a problem, not knowing that subconsciously it was literally tearing me apart, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, tearing down my value system. Is what, what kind of, what did the drugs play in all of that? Like, did it help? Um, There's a lot of numbing, like with the drugs, like I definitely stayed numb yeah. to um the fact that this was like a big... <laughs> life-altering thing I kept putting myself into mm-hmm. like the prostitution especially after I knew better like until you know better you know you can't do better but before you know I knew better I, I go I've forgiven myself for that for not knowing better but after I'm still working on you know for the forgiveness of myself oh, I think and that's yeah. a process yeah it's definitely a process and I feel like the forgiveness also goes with your actions yeah like I think the actions that you're taking every single day is going to play a big part in the you a big part in you forgiving yourself yeah no definitely i've had to change everything 100 um people places and things i've had to change my mentality my thought process on things um i've had to stay firm to my nose and to the new value system and belief system that i believe in now yeah you know? like, is- i'm just a different i'm just a whole totally different woman like if you think about it like i don't advocate or i don't think that prostitution is okay um so sex work yeah so sex yeah exactly sex work so i know there's some women out there who are sex workers and at the time they may feel like they're doing what they what they need to do to get by they're making all this great money they're monopolizing on it making it a business but the trauma that it causes mentally on your whole person your psyche everything is is devastating and it's long-term effects like Mm -hmm. if you think about it so i I don't advocate for that anymore interesting and it's like pretty much a complete 180 yeah absolutely a big argument is that sex work isn't work well sex work could be so what makes work work is something that you get paid for right right so if you're going and having sex with someone and you're getting paid in exchange that's work but now is it meaningful work 
it's meaningful because you're getting paid for it, right? But I just also feel like it's so devastating to the person performing the sex work, whether it's, um, you know, whether they're they're being forced or you know, whatever. It, it's it's degrading. Sure. It's um, there's also traumatizing. It breaks you down to the lowest denominator. It takes something out of you. You can't say any person who's done it for years or done it for any amount of time. You can't say, tell me that you feel good about yourself at the end of the day. You just don't. Mm -hmm. You might have a fat pocket of cash or be able to pay your bills or whatever, but you just don't feel good about yourself because you're giving yeah. yourself to someone or something else and being being for, used. Yeah, for just for money. For, just for money. And I hate that we all need money. I it sucks. It. But the thing is that we do, and it's the truth, but it's like, is that something that you're, are you willing to exchange your soul for money? Mm. You know? Yeah. It's a, such a big trendy thing now to do sex work though. A lot of girl, women, they're like, oh, I'm low on cash. Maybe I should start an OnlyFans. <sighs> you know what I mean? And I- It's sad. That's sad that that's what we've come to. Yeah. And it's uh, women like tend to feel empowered by it. Like, oh, I can use what I have, my body in exchange for money, which right. is all I want. Right. And I, and I, and I can resonate with that. I felt that before I felt that that empowerment of I can take control. Like I can use my body to, to get paid for it. But in the long run, it wasn't worth it because it demoralized and, and created such a, a web of deceitful lies that I thought about myself thinking that that was all I was good for. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm smarter than that. I'm, I'm more capable of doing other things to produce, to produce um, a livelihood for my family, you know? So it kind of just gets you trapped into this mentality of thinking like, this is all I'm good for. Yeah. You know? What other effects did it have on your mental health, do you think? It definitely was devastating. And I'm going to say because um, thinking that my value was within, was within that. So my first you know, relationship with, with love or whatever was I thought was a sexual experience that was forced upon me, right? And so I equated that with being loved or being valuable at a very young age. And so it continued to take place when instead I should have found love from within, from, you know, natural sweet love, not this forced upon sexual deviancy type of situation, mm -hmm. you know? And there's, yeah, there's also that voluntary sex work like oh i'm signing up to do this but and do you don't know what you're really signing up for yeah you know and then there's also those girls that like are it's forced yeah. upon them like this is what you're gonna do right but to the girls who are voluntarily um engaging in sex work if you think about it at the end of the night when you're laying there and knowing what you've done for the day you know to to you know get by get by be paid or whatever the case may be get a bag do you really feel good about yourself mm -hmm. is the question. You know, if you have kids, can you really tell your kids like, I'm empowered, I sold my body today, you know? Like, is that something that you would want for your child or for your daughter or for your son or for whatever? Is that something that you'd want? Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't view it that way. Right, because you're thinking, I have bills to pay, I'm broke, I'm struggling, I'm poor. For me, like, uh, there was those moments where there was also, oh, I have a drug habit to support and I want all these things and I want fast money and, you know, I don't think I'm good for anything else and blah, 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 blah. But um, I didn't feel good about myself at the end of the day. And I doubt that. I don't, I mean, I haven't met anybody that's done it sober. Right. I think drug addiction plays a huge role in it as well. Right. I do know some girls who do work sober, um, but they're also looking to fill a void. And so they have a, some other mental health issues. So they're sober, but they're dealing with mental health. Yeah. You can't be 100% straight, lay straight face doing that kind of work. It just don't work. 
to give yourself to hundreds of people or whatever the case may be, whatever your content is, like that's degrading and demoralizing and it's going to take a toll. It's going to take a toll. For sure. And then, so in this past about a year, yeah, you've been working on like breaking out of doing sex work. And I remember you were talking about like you were would get triggered yeah in the beginning your- so i was struggling financially um when i first got in and i was feeling stressed like like what am i gonna do like this is all i've known for so such time am i good enough to do anything else am i valuable for anything else which everyone was, was telling me that of yes, course but we're all everyone like, says this but internally until you love yourself and believe in yourself enough it doesn't matter what anyone else says So I had to do the real work of um, trauma therapy, really digging in and seeing um, who I am or who I wanted to be as a woman. Um, Like I said, changing people, places and things. Thank you to uh, Stairways for giving me the platform and the safe place to be able to change. I work now, I work hard. I'm abstained from all alcohol, uh, drugs, you know. Um, I'm a mentor, I sponsor women. Um, I got married. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Yeah. So I can live um, according to my beliefs, which is I want to be a virtuous woman, a Proverbs 31 woman. And so I want to be an example. And the crazy thing is, is I thought I would have a lot of backlash, maybe. Not that it's too important, but backlash of friends saying like, oh, you know, you switched up or whatever. But really, I've had so many people come come to me um, wanting to know how I did it and they're ready to do it too. So that's been a blessing. So you thought people would judge you for getting out of the lifestyle and right. finding a new way of life? Yeah. Interesting. And then now you people are actually now reaching out. Now just a doorway to be able to continue to and help that's other amazing. people. It's amazing, yeah. Like, I think I really do believe your story is going to help a lot of people. Yeah. And I think you already are. You're doing, like, case management. Yeah, I'm a case people. manager now. Wow, can you believe that? For a treatment center, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Writing court letters for clients who need letters of support. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's crazy. The life I have and the life of, that I'm building um all praise be to god is that um it's getting better than i ever imagined it could be and i can only imagine what my future can hold you know as long as i abstain from drugs and alcohol and yeah old thought processes like i said one of my one of my um uh, addictions was pros- was prostitution you know and yeah so, and a lot of people don't view it that way yeah they don't they don't view that as an addiction they view that as maybe just like a side effect of addiction but that can be an addiction in itself especially all the um that like it's it's almost not it's kind of in the way of like this instant gratification like sex instant gratification yeah sex equals money i'm broke i want money and then i can have it now and there's no cap to how much money you can make right but at the end of the day is that money going to sustain you mentally right it's just i really do agree with the toll that it takes on your mental health and i don't think it's worth it and also something Samantha once said, like, your body is not worth any amount of money. It's not. And I, I can know. totally get down with that belief. But then I'm also not like, I'm not going to judge people for Absolutely where they are. Not. Yeah, I don't judge anyone for being where they're at. I love everyone exactly where they're at. But I just also know from experience that um, eventually it will catch up to you. So you have all the money in the world, but you're mentally unstable. How are you going to enjoy this money, utilize it, it for really? what it needs to be utilized for? Like, like you've just sold yourself you know mm-hmm. not just men- not just your physical body but mentally like 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 what are you doing it for mm-hmm. you know it's just gonna it's gonna catch up it's gonna take a toll for sure yeah and then i think your higher power and god has played a huge part in your absolutely recovery 
And then how did you kind of come to terms with finding like a higher power? And what, what do you even think the importance is with having a higher power in recovery? So I've always been a God girly. I've always loved God. And I feel like um, you have to believe in something besides yourself. I choose to believe in God. And I just feel like he's never left me and forsake me. I'm the one, I'm the one who's turned my back. Yeah. You know, I'm the one who's turned my back on God. God's never left. He's always been right there. That's the thing is we feel like God either abandoned us yeah or like, god's done us dirty right or has it's let really these, us. these things happen <laughs> so like i think a lot of us blame god for almost human will right like why are there people getting shot and like right. et cetera, et cetera. I mean, god's not the one putting the gun in the hand it's, yeah it's yeah it's really us it's it's human will yeah humans right. that's what we're doing with to each other yeah it's horrible yeah so like how did you kind of start you've always yeah so i've god. always believed in god i like i said i'm the one who's basically turned my back on on God because I was ashamed I was shameful not knowing that my father is a loving father I mean knowing but not believing in myself or loving myself enough to know that my God is a loving father who will always always love me and always be there for me and um forgive me but I had to do some forgiving of myself you yeah. know who am I What's trying to hide from this God is om is everywhere right he's omnipotent and so here I'm trying to hide from him whenever he's my creator he knows the number of hairs that are on my head you know, how could I hide from this, from this being, from this create person who created me? Yeah. Me and you have had some really good conversations through the time. Like I've gotten to know you so well over this year, like all of our adventures. And I think you've gotten to see me grow into this person that I'm becoming. Really? And I've gotten to see you grow into this amazing little whippersnapper of a girl <laughs> who's so smart and capable and talented. Right. Yeah. And you're providing such a great platform for us to be able to. Yeah. Fuck the stigma. Literally. And talk about things that are uncomfortable topics sometimes, like like God and prostitution, you know? It's Literally. crazy. Like <laughs> who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Um God loved prostitutes. Yeah, I do. He did. He looked That's everyone. the thing, yeah. And I, I mean, I'm super grateful for this platform of fuck the stigma. I yeah. mean, also I'm learning so much from you and your experiences. Yeah which I greatly appreciate. It gives me more insight and I'm not too so ignorant to all these different things, right. you know what I mean? I the one thing I've done very well in the last two two years and some change of recovery is like keeping an open ear and an open mind. Right. Well, the world is so and harsh and angry anyways already, yeah. you know? And there's so many people who are still so closed-minded to so many things that are going on in our world like Mhm. Mm but you like you'd also mentioned like what's kind of like your goal with like, do you want to kind of continue helping people that have gone through what you've gone through? Right. So I feel like my goal right now is, and I don't know what that looks like for me yet, but of course, I feel so alive at the thought of helping others through traumatic times and situations and showing that there is light at the end of the tunnel um, with just hard work and dedication. Like, you know what I'm saying? I just feel like some people maybe don't have any guidance or they give up too soon. Like, you know, things might be going well and then one little monkey in the wrench and they give up and get back on, you know, start, you know, using again or whatever, or go back out to the streets. And I just, I just wish that, um, and hope that maybe I can be a beacon of light for people who are going through that and just to keep holding on for just like a little bit longer, you know? Yeah. I've seen that a lot with people giving yeah. up. I like what you said, monkey in the wrench. Yeah. Well, you know what's crazy? Because nowadays addiction isn't just addiction. Addiction is life or death. It really is. Like, like it's not matters. like you can just use and 
think you're okay. You use, you're gonna die. It's not like yeah, let's get high, let's get fucked up with our friends. Yeah, like anymore. do you just want to get high really quick? Like it's no. just like, oh, do I want to risk my life or not now? Yeah, you're gonna die, and that's sad. And you're referring to like the fentanyl epidemic. Absolutely, my my, my daughter. Like I think I spoke about her the last um, the last. Um, podcast or was that um you know when i came in i was broken and distraught i had a heavy addiction of my own but i also had a daughter who was fighting for her life um battling the fentanyl um epidemic and thanks to say right now like she's clean she's been clean going on i think it's 300 something days she's back really? in high school she's like doing everything like a 17 year old girl who was smoking f grams and grams of fentanyl a day like she's back on track and so i know if she can do it others can do it for sure. You know, and that's my biggest, one of my biggest motivators is seeing my children proud of me, um, my family proud of me, um, my daughter's recovery and sobriety. Like, you know, most kids don't get to walk through the fires that she's walked through and make it out and made it out, make it out, you know, and she has. And that's such an inspiration. It's just like all of us were miracles, yeah. you know. So that's pretty inspiring. For sure. Also, like on another note with trauma i don't think we kind of all realize how much it affects us like certain mm -hmm. things like when i came out here i've said this before like i didn't know i was traumatized okay. i didn't acknowledge it i didn't know what i experienced growing up was considered trauma and it was hard for me to identify that that was trauma because i also do this thing of comparing my trauma to everybody else's mm -hmm. like oh she's gone through worse my what i went through isn't shit. right well the feeling of helplessness is still the same whether my trauma is it the feelings are still the same but yeah sometimes we get stuck in the norm thinking that this is normal like you know all the years of of me being molested or whatever i just thought that was normal like you know it I don't, it's just weird like you get stuck thinking in this chaotic world this is normalcy when it's not and so it traumatizes you definitely exactly and then all of that like you're you might not like i'm a really good at disassociating like so i kind of forget things mm -hmm. but subconsciously i know and my body remembers yeah so it's like i'm gonna do whatever makes me feel comfortable and that could lead me into like this toxic road if yeah. that makes sense this whole year of being abstinent from all drugs and alcohol and all old thought processes and patterns has really a like opened my eyes to the fact that your body does store trauma which is something crazy because like thinking about like i might be driving uh down the road and i get a weird sensation and i break out in tears and i'm like what is that from? Well, I never experienced that before because I've been high and, you know. All these things are coming you up. You know, all these things are coming up and it it's just like, so now I've been equipped with the tools to be able to look at that moment, yeah. pick it apart and work through it as opposed to going and picking up a needle or whatever. Exactly. And that first year of recovery is like that. You're kind of right. learning yourself and how your body is reacting to things. Yeah. And then you're learning what you need to ease yourself without the drugs and alcohol. Right. Like, do I need to breathe? Do I need to talk to somebody? Mm -hmm. Do I need to, am I hangry? Like, do I need to eat? Yeah. All those things. I definitely say a year of recovery. Like the first year is so important. The first year is definitely, um, it's so important. Yeah. And then there's, I mean, but even people at five years and plus right. are still learning things mm -hmm. about themselves. So it like it never stops. Never it's a stops. Never ending journey of being. Because well, you didn't take, you didn't become you know traumatized and screwed up in one night. It took <laughs> thirty six years of hard life living for me to get this way. So it's not gonna happen overnight. But it's something that I'm willing to work on that I want to work on, mm -hmm. so I can be the best version of myself because life is so short. Yeah. You know, and you said your big motivators are like your family, mm -hmm. your daughters. 
So like, would you say it's kind of been hard to, for you to stay sober? Like, were you, did you ever have the, the thought of like, I kind of want to get high right now? Um, I've had fleeting thoughts, but they go away so quickly because I've never been provided a platform like this to be able to get clean. Usually when I was getting clean, it'd be incarceration. Mm -hmm. And so the ability to come to a treatment program out in California and be sober and to really look at my my life voluntarily, you know, it, it is amazing. So every time I get those thoughts, because I'd be a, a liar if I said I didn't, um, I just cast them out immediately. Yeah. You know, um, I think those thoughts are normal. They're normal. And some people tend to instead of letting the thought go. They cling on to it and right. entertain it. Play a little tape out. And yeah. the next thing you know, you're on the corner smoking crack. <laughs> <laughs> it can happen that quick, but <laughs> well, let's hope you're not on the corner smoking crack, but it can happen that fast. So you it have really to like can. literally like don't romanticize it. Don't think about it. You got to chunk it out quick. Mm -hmm. Talk about it if you need to. You Talk about I mean? whatever you got to do. You got to do something. Yeah. But like relapse is very, 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 very prevalent and it mm -hmm. happens. It does happen. And it's definitely not something like you should be ashamed of. Like. Right. I feel like the rooms and people in recovery are very open and willing to like, like, dude, just come back. Yeah. You know, if you're ready. But it seems like the guilt that you have on yourself is the, is the, the barrier. That... Nobody else really gives a, gives a fuck. <laughs> Everybody else wants you to come back and, 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 and we love you. Open arms, et cetera. The Especially stig the, like... the stigma of like, I fucked up. Mm -hmm. Oh no, everyone's going to know. Well, you weren't perfect. <laughs> yeah. You're thinking you're perfect. You're not, you know? So what's kind of your overall take on stigma? I think, come on, it's 2023. I think the stigma. <laughs> I mean, this is nothing new. Like life has been repeating itself. History has been repeating itself. The, the things are getting um, more and more bold. You know, sure. I don't think there needs to be any stigma, especially not a stigma that I judge you over. Because, you know, I would I would suspect that if you took apart your life, anyone who's judging someone or has a stigma and doesn't will isn't willing to open their eyes or ears. Um, if they took a look at their own life, there's probably some skeletons in their closet as well for sure you know, there's nothing to be there, I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of embarrassed of or um anything that should be stigmatized in this day and age mm -hmm. there's just there's no way dude what you said about history repeating itself it's repeating <laughs> itself but it's getting more brutal more and more brutal each time yeah like this time around it feels like we're living in the last days it's just crazy the world i really feel like there's a revolution coming i was just talking something. about this there's something going on. i feel like a a a need to be, to get this thing called life right and get right with God and get my children right on the right path and to enjoy life as much as I can because it's so fickle and small and I feel like it's yeah. crazy right now. Yeah, like right now, like a big thing is people are can't afford to live anymore. Definitely. And that can go back to like <laughs> why somebody would go do some sex work. Absolutely. And it's just like, I'm trying, that's what I'm trying to do is not focus so much on like, oh, I'm living to pay paycheck to paycheck right now. I'm trying to just focus on like, it's definitely could you imagine yeah. to be able to wake up and just live and not <laughs> have to work 26 hours to you know what i'm saying like yeah. there, so i i just moved jobs and i was working literally some days 16 hours a day and just i felt like just to pay rent california the cost of living in california is really expensive to me as opposed to back home um in oklahoma and um I was getting depressed and overwhelmed and like really complacent. And that's when the thoughts of like, oh, well, maybe if I just, you know, got back into the old lifestyle, my money, you know, 
issues would be alleviated, but that's not, we know that's not true. I know that's not true now because I know what that leads to. I would be unmanageable, unable to even manage the money that was coming in because I'm so mentally unstable. So it's kind of like be mentally unstable, work 16 hours a day um, for a very low wage and just make it work or what? Like life is expensive. It's expensive as fuck. I'm trying to just enjoy everything I can. Like, cause I don't want to just be the person that goes home, works, goes home, work, right. like working all the yeah. time. Cause I really don't want to fall into that. Like I into that really, trap. Yeah. Like I want to enjoy my youth and like even spend money on like going to go do something fun. Right. Some memory, something that's going to last. Yeah, exactly. Right? But it's hard. And it like that's hard. people are like talking about getting multiple jobs and like multiple jobs cause they can't afford to live. Like it seems like that's the only way to make it work. I think there's something um, to be noticed about the family units who like live all in one house, like maybe three or four different, family members all living in one house that's how they make it work and you see them they're so happy because they're spending time like and just genuinely spending time and yeah cost of living is ridiculous are have you been struggling you've been struggling with that oh because sure. you've been thinking about so i'm stuck in between a rock and a hard place like i really want to go home to be with my kids but i've got stuck in on the rat wheel in california where i'm just working working paying bills just barely making it you know so it's hard to save money have right a now. couple of little things that i like to do for myself you know that and but i send money to my kids and make sure that they have what they need but like me and my husband haven't even got to move in together or experience that because it's just so expensive to combine. You need first and last month's rent deposit. and a deposit. So now you're talking like what forty five hundred dollars just to get into a place, and then on top okay. of that, just paying on top the monthly of that plus rent, and then we and just then barely we got you know stabilized with a vehicle, etc. And of course, it's our first year in recovery, but man, it's difficult. It's hard. There's no there's no guideline or um, book on how to do this. And shit, like right. a, like people have been moving back into their parents. Like it's this it's I think it's a nationwide thing now. If people be. are struggling to live and afford life, life, <laughs> and it's getting out of hand. So I really feel like yeah, sooner or later we're gonna have enough. I mean, I'm, I've already to... had enough. Well, so if you think and... about in Oklahoma, this the this is going to be depressing you guys for you californians um the minimum wage is 750 ridiculous an hour they're talking about raising the wages in 2029 to 15 an hour 2029 15 2029 it's 2023 like what are we gonna do till then? <laughs> like the the thought of like getting my tent is becoming more and more appealing yeah <laughs> <laughs> Whip out the tent. <laughs> Whip out the tent because like rent is really expensive. It's hard. Like a thousand dollars a month rent for a shared space and a small bed. It's something I'm thankful for. However, um, it's a lot of money. Yeah, and it's like our quality of living is going down for it's like what down. we're paying. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel like that. Who's making up these rules? Like where? Where did this let come me know. from? Let me yeah, know. Yeah, let us know because that's. But horrible. um. I feel like what it, where I was kind of going with that is I think there's going to be a revolution in a lot of things with like the fentanyl epidemic going on, the people not being able to afford life, mm -hmm. and with the stigma preventing people from being their true authentic selves or even seeking mm -hmm. help. Right. Like there's a list and number of things that like people are struggling with, and I think it's just it's just shaking and it's like ready to mm -hmm. blow up it has to be addressed at some point so back to the fentanyl um epidemic so you're telling me that us as americans and us living in this great country that 
we love so much, right? Um, there's people just dying on the streets and we're just walking over them. Mm-hmm. Like something has to be done. Yeah. Like, I don't know what, I'm, I don't, but something has to be done. And I think we're on the right track. Like, and it's like finding that solution is hard on its own. Yeah. Because you got to go to the big dogs. You know, it's it does feel discouraging because it sometimes feels, it, it feels like we're powerless. Yeah. Over what we can do. Yeah. Like small, small. Um, and then us feeling that way, like that's when nothing's going to change. Right. So it's yeah. going to take like a powerful young generation. <laughs> to stand up and revolt or something you know it's like if everyone could just chip in and do their part like if everyone could just chip in and be better and do better you know like what can we i don't know if everyone can just chip in and care about the next person or or just care about something so we're all not falling into the category of caring about nothing Mm -hmm. you know so things can change like i don't want my daughters to have to grow up in this like literally it's uh, bad thinking about them and then even like young teens like mental health right now and also this daylight savings is fucking with me why is it getting dark at 4 p.m why does it feel like 1 a.m at 3 p.m i feel like i have to be in bed for sure can someone like like some kind of scientist pick this apart and let me know like what's going on with that daylight savings thing because like right now it feels literally like it's 10 o'clock at night It's like 4 p.m. as we're filming this. We're going to walk outside and it's pitch black. It's going to be pitch black. And that's weird. <laughs> that's just weird. No, it's just not, it's not cool. Like, it shouldn't be dark. You know, there's certain parts of the world that, like, it's dark. I think, like, Alaska, it's dark all day. Like, they don't get daylight until, like, March or something. It's like, that can't be good for one's mental health. Yeah. You know what I mean? I get seasonal depression, I feel, I feel like. So, these holidays have been really hard for me because I really wanted to be home with my kids or home whatever that looks like but i've still got a lot of things i've got to take care of to be able to make that happen and um then daylight savings hits and then it's gloomy and then i'm just like depressed you know out of nowhere just bam you know yeah but we're getting through it i think everyone's doing the best that they can with what we're given right now but still something needs to be done for more yeah so was there um any kind of message of hope that you wanted to give out to anybody that's been in the sex work industry? Yeah, so I have a lot of friends and stuff who are still in the lifestyle and um, a lot of friends who aren't anymore. And I just would like to say, like in your heart of hearts when you're laying in bed at night or whatever, how good do you feel about yourself? No matter how much money you made that day, I'd like to suspect that you're still lonely and that you're still... um, not well and so i would encourage you to reach out and get help there's ways out i made it out of the lifestyle and i'm happily married woman today i'm a good mother a good person um and so you can too it's just you just have to want to do it because there's going to come a time whenever it could be too late you know it's a very dangerous lifestyle it's a heartless lifestyle so if you just if you just try and think about it just give it a couple thoughts about getting out you know those of you still struggling with addiction like there is definitely help out here we love you we want you to be clean you deserve to be clean you deserve to have a life um bigger than you ever could have imagined and it can happen as long as you stay clean for sure and i'm so proud of you and how far you've come in these past few months and the direction that you're heading awesome I love yeah. you. Thank you for coming back on the podcast. I love you. Yes, you tried to get me here. I got here, girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, I love you. Fuck Thank the you. stigma. <laughs>